Hello and welcome to Emoji Rap, a podcast about all things emoji. I'm your host, Jeremy Burge, and joining me is a guest I'm very appreciative to have on the show. Not that I don't appreciate all my guests, but this one in particular, I think this would be a good show. Uh, 2018 is the 10-year anniversary of Apple's emoji font. This first came to the iPhone in 2008, and one of the designers behind the original set is Angela Guzman, who is with me right now. And Angela, I didn't ask how to say your surname, so did I get that right? Angela Guzman. <laughs> yes, you did. And uh, hi, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, I'm really excited to be here, and thanks for that nice intro. Well, you know what? People are super fascinated by Apple as a company, but in particular, the Apple emoji designs. They've sort of they've captured people's imagination, and I know there's multiple people that were involved in this, and you're just one of them. And I do want to say at the top of the show that, you know, you're here as you, who you're a designer, but you're not speaking on behalf of Apple or anyone you've worked ever for or since. You're just talking about you and your designs. So off the top, I just wanted to say that. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks. So uh, each month I send out a newsletter and it's full of sort of what's happening in the emoji world. Uh, and then I'll pick a few articles I think are interesting to talk about. And I've sent over the list for you to pick a few articles that you'd like to talk about. And probably no surprise is that the first article I've picked is one called The Making of Apple's Emoji, How Designing These Tiny Icons Changed My Life. And this, Angela, is from you. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, <laughs> What I wanted to know first up, I mean, people can read this in the show notes. I'll, I'll have the link there that they can go there and read the article. I don't want to recap it all. But did you get much of a response to the article? You put it out there and you described some of your time. And what did people sort of get back to you about? Did you hear anything in particular that, that jumped out? Uh, yes, yes, I did. I, uh, I have uh, so many things to say about that because it was really fascinating. Um, I originally wrote uh, the article for two main reasons. One was to celebrate the Emoji's 10th anniversary, which is a pretty big milestone. But the other one, and more importantly to me from a personal point of view, was to celebrate uh, the friendship through design that emerged in that collaboration. So overall, I'm thrilled at the reaction from everyone, including the design community. What I'm most impressed by is the feedback I've received from other people like grandmothers, teachers, high school students, people from Miami where I also grew up, and people outside of the U.S. Um, I think the story really struck a chord with pretty much everyone who has used um, these emoji. How did you hear from people, by the way? did you Were you hearing from people? It's published on Medium, which I don't think has comments, does it? It has sort of highlights. Can you, can you comment on Medium articles <laughs> yeah. or how does this work? Yeah, so the funny thing, because uh, I actually, that was my first time ever publishing or posting on Medium, so I learned as I went along, um, and it turns out that you can highlight, that you can comment either privately or um, completely open, and as the author, you have the ability to hide all comments or leave them open, so I left all of them open. And um, as the day progressed, my phone pretty much died because of all the notifications <laughs> that were kicking oh, in. Oh, wow. I'm scrolling down now. There, there's a whole bunch under the article. I think when I first... It, it popped up in my feed. I'd, I'd been following you on Twitter as someone that I knew that had been involved in the original emoji set. And I thought that uh, when you posted this, I went, oh, wow, this is interesting. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, I started seeing it pop up and other... Uh, publications were sort of linking to it and talking about it, but I didn't realize there was also all this, uh, a whole bunch of comments as well from the public. 
Yeah, yeah, and no, it was really fascinating. And I think most people um, centered their comments around, you know, probably four things, like the human touch behind the making of the emoji, uh, the reactions uh, from the humorous anecdotes that I listed, um, the friendship that evolved in that process. And I think to me, what really stood out the most was how people said that it was really inspiring to read. So I was really delighted um, to have inspired readers because I find that we often forget that it is possible to have tears of joy at work or to be so excited by what we do um, that even I, as a wobbly cyclist, could get up in the morning and commute to work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I think that it's an important reminder that there are moments where we can find the right work-life balance. Uh, create lasting relationships and just pretty much enjoy what we do from a day-to-day basis. And that is good Um, to hear because obviously I'm not in Silicon Valley, but I am there quite a bit and it can be overwhelming sometimes. It's quite a, it can be quite a full on to me as an, as an outsider. I see a lot of people working a lot of hours and not that people aren't happy, but you know, it seems sometimes like the work is overwhelming the the rest of everybody's lives. So it's it was it's nice to hear a story of someone that had such a good time involved in something that we've all used. I'd say, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Um, so when you look back at the emoji set, uh, as I said, that you were one of the designers. There were multiple people involved along the way, but um, I, th- I guess it's so interesting that they have become so iconic that people recognize them instantly, and in particular. Apple's ones. Emoji is a concept people recognize, but really I think they recognize Apple's ones primarily as feeling like an original. And I guess I wonder when when you were doing this, did you think, oh, this is going to be huge? Or did you just think that it was sort of a, a, a niche thing that you were doing and that it wasn't going to have much impact in a wider way? Yeah, no, that's a really good question because uh, I'm having to reflect and think about, you know, what it was like to do this 10 years ago. And I would say the answer is a mix of yes and no. (laughs) So at the beginning, when I arrived, I assumed that anything like that comes out of Apple, it has the potential of being widely used. Um, So I suspected this, but I didn't make much of it. Um, The reality was that while I was working on, on the making of these emoji, I was really um, mesmerized by my surroundings that designing emoji was kind of like the cherry on top. Um, I was so amazed by being in California, being part of this amazing design team, driving up to San Francisco, for example, on the weekends with my roommate, and occasionally seeing Steve Jobs standing in the same lunch line as me. So (laughs) (laughs) it was sort of a lot to take in for those three months. Um, but I think that kind of changed once these designs got the green light from Steve. And I remember at that moment somebody telling me, it must feel really awesome to see your intern work uh, and how it'll ship. And I was, and that's kind of when it started to hit me that these tiny icons were going out to all of Japan. And then as um, they became accessible in the U.S., I recall a funny story which was, I was back in college and uh, as soon as I had them on my phone uh, and they were already publicly released, um, I walked up to one of my college friends and I showed them to her and I was so excited to, you know, talk to her and explain what had happened and suddenly I felt so unexcited (laughs) because it turns out that so many of my classmates didn't have iPhones at that time. 
So I couldn't really explain it to anyone. And I literally just walked back to my desk and went back to my <laughs> thesis. And that was that. But then um, a few months later, I think at some point I convinced my family to switch over to the iPhone so I could at least share my work with them. And um, even then, I still hadn't really realized how ingrained they were starting to become within our conversation. Um, I would say that to answer your question, the first time I started to really feel the, their presence was once I moved back to Silicon Valley and I walked into a store in the Bay Area that was selling a sticker pack uh, of the whole set. Yes. And they were exactly like the emoji that we drew. And so <laughs> I remember this um, seeing this kind of in the wild and immediately texting Raymond and saying, oh, my gosh, look what I found. Especially the ones that here. you did, right? If there were some of the yeah. ones that you went, this is, I did this. This is my thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How is it was this on a sticker pack in a shop in, in the Bay Area? Totally. And, and I think I bought like four packs and I either got one for Raymond or I convinced them to come by and buy one. I forget but then they started to show up everywhere, as we all know. And um, so to kind of conclude my summary here of, uh, of the question, I think I only really got to confirm my initial suspicion much after they were launched and used, I think, when I literally could hold them in my hand. Um, that's when it sort of just hit me that, oh, my gosh, they're really out there. That original, so that, was, that original release, that was only in Japan, right? I mean, I, I seem to recall yeah. that you'd see some articles sort of saying, oh, look, there's this thing and it's emoji and Japan likes it and Apple released a feature to make that work in Japan. And then outside the rest of us, at least I had one of these apps that you had to download from the app store that had this sort of, I don't think they let you do it automatically. You had to sort of not quite hack it, but I had this calculator app. It was like an app. Easter egg. Yeah. yeah, it was an Easter egg. <laughs> and I had to type a certain set of numbers on the on the calculator. And I think there are a bunch of apps that did this to unlock the Japanese emoji keyboard, right? Did you have to do that or was there, I don't know, I, I guess at the time I just remembered that, yeah, that that's what one by one, that's why it was such a slow burn. It felt like an invite only club. It was so hard to turn it on outside of Japan. Yeah, um, I, I admit, yes, that was what happened when I got to college. I learned about those apps and that they had Easter eggs and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. Um, and that's how I started using them outside of my internship. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a funny, um, like how I got dispersed. It was funny. I have a sneaking suspicion that that's part of why emoji on the iPhone became so popular. Actually, I feel like, you know, when you get a new social network or something and there's a really fine line when it's invite only or not, and they were so well done, the designs, and it was obviously something that's useful. We all like emoticons and we've all done this before, but the way that at least that I saw at work, is that one by one, someone in my group, it might have been me, I'd start sending it to people because it would work at their end. They just couldn't type it and they'd say, what the hell? How did you do that? And then they'd make you put it on their phone and then they'd do the same and it sort of spread until Apple eventually turned it on for everybody and you could just have a setting or it was on by default. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I feel like in those early days, there was definitely sort of a, a cachet that you were the, the, the smart one that had this cool feature and it made it sort of more appealing and, and spread in a, a devious sort of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we now sort of, you know, we look back and they, we sort of take them for granted what they are, what that original set is. And there's a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily know that I guess, I guess the original set was sort of designed with the Japanese set in mind or one of the Japanese sets in particular. And 
I guess I'm wondering when when you were designing this, how much was it that you were saying, all right, how do I design what I think you said an engagement ring looks like? How much was that sort of an open-ended question and how much were you going, I need to make this recognizable with the existing Japanese sets? You know, was this sort of an open plane, go nuts, do what you want, or were you trying to make sure that Japanese users would recognize it as their set originally? Yeah. Um, so originally, kind of the assignment was, um, you know, they had to be compatible with carriers in Japan. That's where they were being launched. So the set had to be really specific in their meaning and their cultural details. And I will say that we had tons of leeway on the aesthetics and styling, but we did not choose, for example, um, which specific sports or food items the emoji keyboard offered. Right. So, you, um, you, you needed to work with the set that you you were effectively there was a set. These are the ones that you need to draw. You know you don't get to choose which sports to exist. Yeah, because like they were they had to work across different carriers and things like that. So it was already an established um, set, I would say. And so um, prior to the launch of Apple's emoji in Japan, um, as you well know, most emojis were pretty pixelated, and I think that's an awesome style. But um, since we were kind of translating this into the Apple design, we really had to focus on uh, making them uniformly um, kind of adhering to the Apple aesthetics. And so um, one of the biggest hurdles I think we had to overcome, and when I say we, I mean like Raymond and I at the beginning, was to make sure that these emoji looked like they were made by one person, even though we had close to 500 at the end. And that was really tricky because um, I had to learn how he did them and how I can interpret them. And um, we kept checking in to make sure that they all look pretty unified. And for those but listening the- right now that haven't read your article, who is Raymond? Raymond is uh, an amazing friend still to this day. And he started out being my mentor at Apple, a fantastic designer and someone that I we just get along really well from that 2008 when I interned there. Right. Uh, and so one thing that I want to also point out is that although we did have, um, you could say maybe a restricted set, um, what we had a lot of leeway on was how we interpreted like the physical qualities of, of the emoji. So for example, we could choose the color and the type of dress or shirt or shoes, um, how the body of the runner or the surfer or other humans were posing. Um, their facial expressions, as long as they conveyed the same meaning, um, the type of guitar, the style of the car, uh, which computer <laughs> or the phone to depict. And in other words, um, we sort of had complete freedom as long as we supported the full count of Japanese emoji. And that goes without saying that we also had a bit of challenges here because um, when Raymond and I didn't know the exact meaning of a particular Japanese emoji, uh, which happened occasionally, we had to find um, a way of researching and making sure that the details and the meaning were correct. Uh, an example being color. So, you know, every culture has different um, symbolic attachments to color. So we had to be mindful that blue here would mean one thing and maybe blue over there meant something else. And uh, the same thing was um, the case for like food dishes because I wasn't super familiar with some of them, uh, we had to also learn about what they meant and how to properly capture them accurately. Right, yeah, I mean, for for me, I love Japanese food, so instantly they were pretty recognizable, the Japanese curry, you know, you got the ramen and everything, but maybe if there's any of them that you hadn't had, 
it wouldn't be a great reaction in Japan if you really messed it up, if you took their favorite food <laughs> items and gave them something, if you gave them a completely different dish. Exactly. Yeah, we were really cautious of doing that properly.、Mm-hmm. Um, it might be like the、uh, burger that、uh, <laughs> with the, the cheese on the wrong layer last year at Google that, you know, that upset、mm-hmm. people and maybe the same thing. Imagine if you put the ginger on the wrong side of the, the curry <laughs> or whatever the other cultural equivalent might have been. Mm-hmm, exactly.、Uh, so、uh, I guess, do you remember exactly which ones you specifically designed? I know you mentioned a few in the article. Do you sort of, in the back of your head, are you like, yes, I did this one, this one, this one? Raymond did these ones. We worked together on these. Do you sort of have a list in your head or is, it, is there sort of any fuzziness there about, oh, it was such a long time ago? Um, no, I think I actually have a pretty good list in my head just because they became like my, I don't know, something I stared at for so long that it just became in, embedded in my memory permanently.、Um, so I would say like the ones that I can, that I'm most excited about are kind of maybe five and、um, they range for different reasons. I think the hearts, for example, I really love because of what they stand for and the variety of color options that users can pick from. Um, and in that same vein, sort of the party popper, which I mentioned in the article. And I, I really like that one because of its、um, festive nature and how a lot of folks use it. And then I would say that following that would be、um, the holiday set. So things like the pumpkin for Halloween or the Christmas tree for、um, the Christmas season. And those two in particular, I really like, especially because they tend to peak around um, seasonal um, festive moments. And it's mostly because I know exactly why we put you know, two teas or three teas in the arrangement of the pumpkin. Or, why did、uh, you put two teas in the arrangement of the pumpkin? <laughs> because what, since it was really small when, we,、uh, when they were going to launch,、um, it's almost hard to fit too many little details at that scale. And so I tried to arrange them so that it was a little bit more visually balanced, but without making it fuzzy. So <laughs> it was like, okay, how do I move this tooth over just a little bit more and this one underneath to make it fit、uh, without the pixels getting in the way?、Um, so there's like all these little background stories、uh, to each of these emoji. And I think the same thing would happen with like the Christmas tree. I remember placing the ornaments a certain way. So again, the colors wouldn't. Um, sort of bleed on top of each other because it was so small、uh, in real life.、Um, so, those were little tricks that I learned, but also really cute,、uh, thoughtful memories.、Um, I, I think the,、uh, the party popper in particular is iconically sort of Apple. When I think of the Apple emoji set, I think that one in particular, it hasn't changed much over the years. I know there's sort of been a bit of a redesign recently, but. For me, that sort of encapsulates the Apple emoji aesthetic. And it, it, it is, you're right, it is sort of celebratory. I know a lot of people call it a party hat for some reason. Do you,、mm-hmm. know, do you know people, do the people think of it as sort of more <laughs> like a hat on its side, or does everybody know that it's meant to be a party popper?、Um, I've never thought of it as a party hat. And I don't, I, I've heard so many things,、um, there's so many ways of calling it, like,、uh, yeah, party popper, party hat.、Um, I actually, what I ended up doing to make sure people knew exactly what I was referring to in the story was I went on Emojipedia just to verify that technically this is called the party popper. <laughs> right, very, yeah.、Uh, I mean, still people have their own names. People, yeah, you're right. People call it whatever、mm-hmm. they want to in the end, right? That not everybody's、yeah. Emojipedia-ing their emojis. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, totally. But um, yes, it's it's a bit of a yeah. I feel like that one in particular gets some of the most use because the dancing lady is very uh, she's very party, but you know she is sort of gendered, and then and then you, it's a woman, and the party hat is quite a very a, a neutral. Everybody can use it for excitement, ranging from sarcastic excitement through to genuine. You know, I'm really happy that this is happening. So I think that's a, a yeah. good one. And uh, I had to tell off a friend of mine who was trying to break up with someone recently and he, she went on a date with him and, and he said, oh, you know, uh, I had a good date. Would you inter- be interested in catching up again soon? And she sent him the party hats and was saying, what are you, what are you doing? She's oh. like, oh, I sent him three party hats. <laughs> went, what are you doing? They're not, A, they're not party hats. And B, <laughs> that doesn't say I'm not interested. That's what, what they're the happy one. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think people get that and they, they associate that a lot. So Thank you for bringing that into the world, shall I say. <laughs> no um, problem. What I want to do now is actually want to move on to some other things that have been going on in the emoji world. So I know that you've seen the latest newsletter and uh, we didn't record a podcast last month that was sort of Christmas, holidays. So I know you've picked an article from last month's newsletter that people can go back and read. And could you tell me what it is and what you thought was interesting about it? Yeah, um, so I picked a couple of articles, and one of them was the city mapper of bus emoji. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we can start with that one. Um, I I looked at it, and I, I thought it was really interesting that you posted about your experience with it. Um, actually, I had a question for you before I can jump into it. But, of course, um, yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're here. We're here to discuss about it. So it's the city mapper bus emoji. And uh, mm-hmm. go on. What what do you got for me? Yeah. So, what was it like? Because this is kind of the first time that I see these emojis outside of like an object oriented uh, application. So, more like within your space, within your phone, within these uh, bus system. So, how? What was your experience like? What did you think of it? So, so it seems. So, to explain what the feature is, is the idea is that uh, City Mapper is a public transport app and it kind of gets you from a to b pretty much like google maps uh directions do do they have city mapper in the bay area do you know um i actually don't know <laughs> it might not be they're london based they're in a lot of cities around the world but it's incredibly popular in london it just seems to get uh transport better than some other apps sometimes but either way they've also got their own local buses on the streets so uh you, the idea is you hop on the bus and then you hit the button in the app, just like when you're driving directions, you say, start now. You say, start, I'm hopping on the bus, and it can check with the GPS that you're on the bus, and it knows where you want to get off. And what it says is, here's your emoji. You don't get to pick it. I thought I thought you'd be able to pick the emoji, but mm. it allocates you one. So I got on the bus, and it said, great, you're on the bus. Here is your emoji. It's the chipmunk, which it looks like the squirrel. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks of it so much as a chipmunk, but... Um, <laughs> But either way, you get on there and it says, look, when it's your stop, there's a screen on the bus. And I guess if you don't know the area, maybe that is my, sometimes when I'm on the bus, I'm, uh, if, it, if it's a bus you don't normally go on, you're far more checking your phone a lot to check when it's time to get off. Whereas the train station's a lot easier, but the bus you feel like, when is my stop? And the idea is it will pop up on the screen to say, it'll say chipmunk on there. Because if it used my name, then everyone on the bus would know my name. And, you know, mm-hmm. pe- people can be terrible sometimes. So at the very least, I look on the screen and when the chipmunk comes up, I get off. Uh, oh, cool. So it's a fun idea. Um, but mm-hmm. I do have to say that 
the, it didn't work. It, it failed. The, the, the technology <laughs> failed. It, was, it wasn't that I didn't see it. Uh, apparently, the City Mapper support team, they got in touch with me later to be like, oh, we were following you on Twitter, what you were doing, because <laughs> I was posting about this as I was going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, they, uh, someone else that same night also tweeted about it and that their one seemed to work. So I trust them that it is meant to work. But uh, I had a technology fail and my emoji never showed up and I missed my stop. Oh, man. <laughs> no, I thought it was like a really neat way of integrating emoji in, in a very useful fashion. Because um, there's yeah. so many to choose from. I'm assuming that each stop has a unique emoji, right? It's not like they go through the same one after a while. I would think so. They don't make that clear in the app, and I didn't want to go mm. back and forth on the bus. But I think I, that would make the most sense to me is if every stop has an emoji. And that mm-hmm. way, if three of us want to get off at that stop, we all get the chipmunk rather than having you know, a hundred of them show up on the screen and then you're scrolling through the, you know, the octopus and the star and the party popper and going, is the chipmunk there? So I assume that's what it's doing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I but I, I agree. It feels like because we recognize them quickly, it is actually a very good feature that if it was something abstract or some abstract symbol or a lot of streets have similar names, instead you go, oh, that's obviously the chipmunk. I get off here. You don't have to yeah. think about it and, and pause around. So... Yeah, that was fun. Would you would you give that a whirl if it were in the Bay Area? Yeah, totally. I would try it and see how, how good it works. I, it's awesome that it's also very visual, so it's easy for maybe foreigners that maybe don't speak the language to also understand. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. If they could understand the app in the first place. But maybe maybe <laughs> the app is localized and, you know, I, I can definitely see this being uh, more helpful in a wider sense if other public transport agencies wanted to do similar things. I know they do it. When you go to Disneyland and they tell you which car park, which parking lot you're in, mm-hmm. when they say you know you're in, um, who is it, Mickey Mouse parking lot or something. So I guess it's mm-hmm. something like that you can <laughs> identify it. Uh, awesome. so, I, so I had an article that I picked from this month. Uh, it's called "We Fact Eight Animal." We fact checked eight animal emojis, and here's what we found. And the article it's in the National Geographic, and I don't know. I mean, sort of two minds about this. Obviously, it's fine. It's fun as an article, and the idea is they're looking at the animals and kind of going, "Are these are these good drawings? Are these realistic drawings of an animal?" And I don't know. I I sort of I, I like animals being cute. I know the Apple set sort of has a bit of both. Some of them are cute, and some of them are realistic. What do you think? What's a what's a good animal emoji? Is it should it be realistic? Should it be cute? Or does it depend? <laughs> um, hmm. I think it depends on the. The symbolic nature of it, I would say that, for example, for animals that were more depicted towards like the zodiac part, um, they're a little more tight or like mystical things, not zodiacs, but like the dragon, for example, mm-hmm. um, it's very open to interpretation. So you have more leeway as to how to depict it. But I think the more common animals like cats and dogs and, and pets or farm animals, that sort of thing. I, uh, or sort of animal, I should say, um, it's, in my opinion, it's nicer when they're cute, um, because they encompass more feeling than, um, super accurate depiction of them, I would say. Um, and I did read the, the article that you, you chose here, and I was really intrigued by like the zebra and the colors of the ears, how they're not pink. Um, and I think that, uh, Ideally, they should be a little bit like more realistic and closer to what they actually look like. But um, I think the way they are currently, 
is nice. I, I, I wouldn't go in there and change too many of it unless there's like a real reason behind it that is just completely wrong in the way that it's been captured. I got to say, um, I'm, on, I'm on the side of super cute, but I definitely see, you know, I, I can see the benefits either way. But for me, I, I like my whole set to be cute. I think I like the uh, new dinosaur emojis in particular. I think they're I think they're quite cute. And the T-Rex is obviously, especially Apple's one, but all the platforms have kind of gone for quite a uh, cartoony T-Rex. And I like it, but I know there's a lot of uh, dinosaur fans in the world who are quite upset that the (laughs) dinosaurs look nothing like what they are meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, We have one other article from yourself about reverse emojis. What do you got here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that one, when I uh, I read about this, I thought it was really neat that um, this is a possibility, maybe, in the future. And basically, the notion that you can invert an emoji to create kind of like the rainbow, the full rainbow, right? If you flip it to the left or the right, you get the full arc. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, or like the two, um, what are they called? Muscle flexing arms, <laughs> so that you get two <laughs> of them. Um, I think... I'm not sure how the interface will allow you to do that. It might be a little bit tricky, but it's not impossible. Um, but I, I really would love to see that happen um, because it does open up a whole new world about how to arrange these emoji and create more um, uh, like of a flow visually from one to the next. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that possibility. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's mostly the travel bragging. You know, when you travel around and you sort of put a little picture of you on a plane or the train and you're going here and that they mostly face uh, right to left rather than left mm-hmm. to right. So if you're sort of putting a train, you'd normally want it to go left to right to say I'm mm-hmm. going going this way. So for me, yeah. actually, I think even though maybe that's a boring use case, but I would find that incredibly useful to say I'm going from here to here rather than there's no good way to do it when it faces the other direction is there <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's a fair point no that, that definitely i think would be really important um i hadn't considered the until i saw this article which for people reading in the show notes it's from daily dot it's called five things you could do with a reversible emoji and it's something that unicode they're looking at it's sort of in the draft specs at the moment I believe that it wouldn't be that every emoji could be flipped, but that Unicode mm-hmm. could identify some to say this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one can be reversed or they should be reversed. Um, and then the others, presumably the bulk of them wouldn't have this because it seems a bit of overkill. I know this article mentions the 100 emoji that you don't need a, a flipped version of the 100 emoji Um but yeah, I don't know. Do you have ones that in particular that you would find helpful? Is is it is it the muscles? Is that what you're what you'd find oh. useful? <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever shared the muscles, <laughs> but um, I think like to your point of of conveying uh, direction for some of them is really helpful. Um, but I think there might be some funny ones. I, I don't know exactly which ones right now, but that by inverting them, their meaning can change. Maybe. Um, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but like if you took two of the little kissing emojis, maybe they can be uh, just sending someone a kiss. It's like, oh, yeah, that's both. cute. And, and stuff like that, like um, meaning right now that we don't have access to. What I would really like, actually, and what I've missed for quite a while is I don't know whether MSN Messenger wasn't that big outside of in the US, I don't think, but they had the two hugging emojis and one would face left and one would face right. Mm-hmm. And people use them nonstop. They were really popular, you know, because the current emoji set has a hug, 
but it's the one that looks like jazz hands and you can't send that to someone <laughs> if their grandma dies you can't send them that one even though it's meant to be a hug it looks far too happy to be sent in sad mm-hmm. circumstances but the the one that used to be on msn messenger where it was a side profile with two arms held out and you couldn't really see the face and then people could send it back and i think if there was a hug like that you'd want both you'd want both directions wouldn't you yeah yeah definitely um so for anyone that wants to follow any of these articles we've talked about here, they're all in the most recent newsletter. You can subscribe at emojirap.com, but they'll be in the show notes as well. There's a few more articles, but I know last uh, episode, me and Mike, we tried to cover all of them and <laughs> we were just rapid firing. There was about 12 or something and you know we barely got three words in. So I think we're, we're scaling it down a bit. Discussing a few and the rest of them, you can go and read for yourself. But Angela, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Where can people find you or your work on the internet? Yeah, um, so you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'd have to spell that out. It's the first letter of my name followed by the last name. So it's A-G-Z-M-N, so no vowels. Um, And then my portfolio website, which is really just a collection of all of my work for since I could start drawing, basically. Uh, It's in chronological order. It's at goosedesign.com. That's G-U-Z um, design.com. That'll be all in the show notes. I do like you getting rid of the letters. Was that at peak sort of Tumblr and other websites not doing the vowels in their names? Or <laughs> <laughs> um, No, I took out the vowels because um, I was trying to find like a combination of my first and last name. And I, there were so many already Angela Guzman's that I was like, ah, so I thought, okay, let me take out the vowels and it happened to be uh, available. And I was like, perfect. That'll do. Yeah. When you're at that moment on any website, you're just like, give me the thing. I just want to sign <laughs> up and I don't want a hundred numbers at the end of my name. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that'll all be in the show notes. You can click there to find Angela on the internet. And uh, I would like to thank Jonathan Mann for our theme music, Joshua Jones for the show art. That's the uh, microphone that wraps around in, you know, it's inside a burrito and, uh, mm-hmm. You can find Emoji Rap on Twitter at Emoji Rap. You can find me at Jeremy Burge. And thanks again for listening, and I'll speak to you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>